<laughs> That's obnoxious. I didn't know Zoom did that. <laughs> I don't oh, know if yeah. you heard that. Let you know. It's like you're being recorded. You are being recorded. <clears throat> yeah, man. Just- so- <laughs> so yeah so uh anton i'm uh i'm super excited to have you um we met a couple years ago at yoga jam and uh i dropped in on one of your workshops and i was like i don't know what this guy's up to but i'm super i'm digging it and then we had um you taught a primal flow and a handstand workshop that i went to a couple years ago and then we missed it because of covid last year but we got to connect for a little bit do a little dancing and like a little practicing together for uh, yoga jam this year and so I just wanted to get you on command because like, and I follow your social and it's just like, you are definitely uh, somebody who has thoughts and has uh, your personal practice and your business and all these different things. And so I just wanted to like connect and like, see what's up, man. Like, how are you doing? Well, thank you. First of all, I'm honored to be on here. And yeah, uh, no better place to connect than Floyd Yoga Jam. I, I call it the most authentic festival out there. Yeah, um, all around. I've had a, the pleasure of going to many festivals and the big name ones and everything in between all the cool cities and the cool towns, but there's something just fully authentic about, about Floyd. So when you meet people there, you know, the connection is just like going to be extra real. Um, yeah. So yeah. So thanks for that. I also wanted to commend you. And the reason why I'm so stoked to talk with you is listening to one of your previous podcasts. I think it might, might've been the most recent one you, you posted where you just got on there and you were so raw and real about where you were and like about being uninformed mm-hmm. and like owning to that. And even like allowing yourself to sound, I'm going to put quote unquote dumb or stupid or like <laughs> unknowledgeable and just like owning it and be like, <laughs> you even said something super cool that I just I laughed out loud at. It was like, and this is what it likes when you, this is what it's like when you see a man completely fail or just fall down or something. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I know that feeling so well. And I just want to thank you for, for keeping it authentic and, and being real in your podcast. And uh, that, that was like hearing that I was like, yeah, this is definitely supposed to happen. So yeah, thank you. Dude. Yeah. yeah, man. I, yeah. appreciate you, you, you noticing that. I think that so many times, like, I don't know, like you're a public facing person. I'm a public facing person. And, and so often people, feel as if they sort of have to have it figured out to share. And I think that's, um, I mean, sometimes it goes wrong, you know what I mean? Sharing in public and not oh, yeah. like having a full grasp of what it is. But I think that people aren't working out their thought process in public enough. And I think a big benefit to people that see what you're doing, what I'm doing, what others are doing, I think seeing like, this is who I am these are the tools that I've been using. And this is me honestly trying to work through something that's complicated and nuanced. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I dig that. Yeah, and we can share because we have the first amendment, right? Yeah, dude, And it no doesn't doubt. have to be like the, the concept of my truth or your truth, but like you mentioned, these days, so many people are afraid to share, to speak up and to, to just say what they're honestly feeling in that moment because mm-hmm. someone's going to get offended. Someone's going to have a different opinion. And that's where the problem goes wrong is that it's okay, one, to be wrong, mm-hmm. right? I think I am a, a winning as a husband and a father simply because I am okay being wrong. And then two, to know that there's someone else who might think different and there might actually be another way. And when we recognize that it's okay, then then we're able to share. And, uh, but right now it's, it's a crazy time to, to really express who we are and to honestly share what we're feeling right now. And a lot of people call that my truth. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in my truth or your truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, truth is a capital T and it's existent for all things all the time. No contradictions. But my, how I honestly feel right now is what people say their truth is. And, I, and we don't get to do that as often because we're afraid that someone's going to get offended, which we should be. You know, we should be conscious of other people's, um, you know, being conscious of the fact that you know, we don't want to be offensive and hurtful, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't have to hold back what we're feeling, especially because it's, it's you know, it's our, it's our right, it's mm-hmm. our freedom to speak. And, and, and I, I like that you said that you're like, it's like you're working out your thought process. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people won't say anything until they have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, not us, apparently. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to talk about it and then yeah. maybe realize that I was wrong and then work, work through it and figure out where, where some truth lies in this. You know, Something I've figured out through podcasting for the last like year mm-hmm. and a half. And then also I'm a public school teacher as well as a yoga teacher. Something I realized is that um, through conversation and monologue, honestly, like I do a handful of podcasts solo, but like through conversation, through monologue, through writing, through teaching, 
that's sort of how I come to know what it is that I know. And I'm not the type of person who just like sits and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, like super like sit, contemplate, like I have my practices, right. Which are distinct from like focused thinking, but I'm the type of person who needs to verbalize to figure out what it is that I think. Yeah, I would, I would agree 100%. That's, that's where I've been for most of my life. And it's, I, I call it very reactionary. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm learning to tame that, that fire a little bit so that I, I don't react so quickly. Like I hear something and I respond, I respond. Mm-hmm. So I want to have more precision in my responsiveness um, and not react so quickly because I want to figure it out instantly. And the way I figure it out is through speaking much like you. And oftentimes that has gotten me into quote unquote trouble or kind of had me had to backstep a little bit. Whereas now I'm trying to move into this space where if I can be, if I can use greater precision and my responsiveness then um, becomes more deliberate and more intentional, um, then I don't have to kind of backtrack and then I don't have to look stupid or offend yeah. anybody. Well, you know? even, even in that backtracking, like that's where the learning process happens. You know what sure. I mean? Cause like we sure. can't know everything. So I think that that's a big part of it. So um, yeah, thinking out loud, I think it's super mm-hmm. important, man. I'm, I'm curious. So like, I don't know. Uh, and like, I'll link everything in for like sure. your, your website and all this stuff, but I, I'm curious to hear sort of like how Anton gets into yoga. Like, what is it? Cause I know you have your other movement practices and I just, as a, a fellow yoga teacher, I'm just curious, like, how did you get into working in this space? And like, how did it turn into like traveling for festivals and doing workshops? Uh, look, look workshops? over your shoulder, look over your shoulder see that picture yep that picture there yeah, yeah <laughs> those man. those little beauties guided me to yoga right on the mycelium network uh, yeah. in a very interesting way um i was in utah i was in, up at zion with some friends this was about 13 years ago and uh we were experimenting with mind enhancing uh, medicines mm-hmm. and when we were leaving utah the car that i was in got pulled over one thing led to another and i had a little bit of psilocybin mushrooms in my car in the car I wasn't even driving and because I'm honest and and that's how I always operate it I don't lie very well my truth shines through Uh, (laughs) I just told the officer I said yeah you there's a little bit of this uh he looked at it like he'd never seen it before and then I got held off to jail (laughs) Mm. and that at first seemed like this is ridiculous this is stupid all the system's a joke and then uh when I got back and trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? I looked up the charge that I was facing. Well, first of all, they set my bail at $10,000, which is absurd for the amount. I mean, I didn't have enough to sell more or less. I mean, the amount of uh, psilocybin mushrooms that I had were barely enough to create even a a, a response of psychedelic response. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's Utah and, and they have very strict laws about these things. So I found out I was facing a felony charge up to five years of jail, $10,000 of fines. And I was like, oh my God, my life is over. Um, at the time I, I had a background in exercise science kinesiology. So I was doing some fitness training at this really great place, working with a lot of athletes. And uh, I lost, I couldn't sleep. I was so stressed and in a constant state of worry. A friend of mine named Tessa, she was working in a yoga studio. She's like, come try yoga, it'll help. I'm like, I don't need a stretch. And she's like, just come. <laughs> and then August 14th, 2008, shout out to Johanna Epps. She was my first yoga teacher and I fell in love right away with her and the class, you know? Um, but I was very, <clears throat> very adamant about keeping that aspect of like seeing, because everyone's, oh, you're doing yoga because of the girls. And I had to make it very clear from the get-go, that was not my intention. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because that night was the first night I had slept in like three months. Yeah. And I remember I did a side body stretch. Boom. I tell the story all the time. That was it. I was like, oh, this is, this is it. This is where mind and body and spirit come together. And I was like, I'm going to teach this. And I knew it from the get-go. And I was lucky to have some really great yoga teachers and great inspirations um, help guide that. So I started my yoga teacher training instantly within like, I think three to six months of my practice. Started oh, you te- jumped right in, man. Yeah. Yeah. I started teaching, I think month 10 of my practice. And then of course I had a lot of opportunities and doors open to me that were um, for whatever reason. And we can, I'm sure a lot of people have their reasons why they think I got the opportunities that I did, but I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, many thanks to at one yoga and the, and the people of spiritual gangster who, who really helped kind of guide my path there and get me some opportunities. And then things just took off. I got ex- accepted to teach at a Sedona yoga festival. Oh, cool. And from there I met, uh, Erica, who's the, uh, the coordinator for 
Telluride Yoga Festival, and that just led from one to another to another. And fortunate enough to get my name out there, and, and it just kind of happened that way. Yeah, yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, it's like you never know. It's like that old story, like maybe so, maybe so, maybe so, right? Like mm -hmm. you never know, like what is going to yeah. shake into something fresh that you didn't, you, you would have never expected. That's I love that. That maybe so. We have a little ch a children's book, and it's a story about you know the the farmer who loses a horse, but then the horse comes back with other horses, and it's like, oh, you have such bad luck. He's like, maybe. And then the horse comes back, right? And then his son gets on the horse and rides the horse and falls off and breaks his leg. And they're like, oh, such bad luck. And he's like, maybe, because the next day the army comes to draft people and the kid doesn't, you know, I, that's, we love that story. We love that story. So that's cool you brought that up. Yeah, you never know, man. You never know how it's going to shake out. So it's like, yeah, coming into the yoga space, you had this, uh, you already had the, you know, the background of working with bodies, working with your body. And then it was For just sure. a, na a natural like transition into, into that. So <clears throat> One of the things um, that I think, so like jujitsu is not a thing that I've done. It's a thing I aspire to do at some point, but I'm sort of focusing on like, I got too many hats, bro. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. It's like, so we'll get it. I'll be rolling around on the mat sometime soon. Maybe I'll come out to Arizona and you can show me a few things, but. Oh yeah. I mean, those long legs of yours, bro, you'd kill it. <laughs> yeah. That's what they say. That's what they say. Oh man. Yeah. Those guys long. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's like Gardasana. You always see the long guys. They can wrap their foot behind yeah, yeah. their calf. Right? <laughs> narrow hips yeah uh, but I, i'm thinking about like so there's i got so i personally got into yoga for the physical right i was doing a lot of like powerlifting and running and my body was starting to break apart and so i started doing this practice that my wife dragged me to like a free class and turned out like a year and a half later i'm teaching it you know what i mean yeah yeah and so you never know it's like again maybe so maybe so but the deeper dimension of it that i got into started um when i actually went through my 200 hour and then now i lead trainings and so like the reason i bring jujitsu up is because all of the people that i know that are into the martial arts they have this mindset that is so akin to the principles and philosophies that are taught in yoga and so like from your perspective i would just like no one's been able to articulate that to me because I don't, I don't really know anybody who is sure. like a avid yoga practitioner as well. Like I just saw on your Instagram, you had a, a tournament this weekend. So you're mm -hmm. like active in the jujitsu community. So for sure, I would love to hear like, how do those two things, why is it that jujitsu practitioners are cool in the same way that yoga practitioners are sort of cool, calm, and even headed? One, I think it's the humility of the practice itself. You know, like yoga will humble you very quickly. Right. Um, jujitsu <laughs> jujitsu the, the the actual practice but also everyone involved in it will humble you quick very very quickly and it's it's really cool it's just about learning and it's about presence that's what i've come down to realize is it's all about how present you must be and in jujitsu it's to survive right in yoga it's to calm the mind but in jujitsu it's to not have your arm dislocated yeah. you're to be choked out and fall asleep on a mat so you have to be incredibly present um, with what you're doing and with your breath the breath connections there um, i think with the jujitsu also is there's this level of respect for the teacher you know they call it the they call it the master teacher of jujitsu the professor so once you reach the black belt level which takes on average like 10 years of the steady practice you know some guys get it in like eight years and they're just advanced you know just like us we taught like really early um but the professor you have this respect for this professor for this teacher which you know going into it you know i, I see what goes on in the yoga world and i don't want to be i'm no guru right mm -hmm. I, I hate pedestals man i love mm -hmm. sitting here nice and low um but <clears throat> i knew about that going into it so i didn't i didn't turn off all my power because you know people will say i didn't give up my power to the teacher i gave up my power to the teacher my the teacher took my power away i don't believe in that to begin with and we can touch on that as well but mm -hmm. going into it i recognize that i'm a powerful being and this is another powerful being who can teach me something mm -hmm. are they better than me <laughs> of course can they tap me out and destroy me in a second yes but i wasn't going to shut down the powerful being that i am simply because of that so then i allowed myself to to move into it with a different approach where a lot of people they seek a teacher and they want to have someone be their teacher and what does that teacher usually do just fall from grace yep. or disappoint um so i never had that going for me going back to how it kind of relates um the body awareness for sure and I wish every jujitsu 
practitioner, uh, athlete did yoga. If they realized like everyone I know who does jujitsu is really good. I'm like, I could make you so much better. Just come yeah. to yoga over here. Like you would be, I mean, I mean, that's how I survive, right? I weigh 130 to 135 pounds. And on the daily basis, I train with people that average between 150 and 175. And the only reason I'm not tapping constantly, tapping out constantly is because I have the mobility and the flexibility to, to stay alive. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just to add a little bit, a little bonus there. That's cool, man. That's so that, that was, that was very succinct. And that helped me understand like the jujitsu world. Cause I've all, yeah. like, that connection has always been like very apparent to me is like the ease, the calm. Um, like we all have ego, but like the sort of like the awareness that this is a tool that is useful, but also we need to like access it in a way that's actually beneficial. Right. So For that sure. makes me, that makes me think about that, the power concept, because you, you brought that up. And when I think about, when I think about like sovereignty, like you're, your tag on Instagram is like sovereign yogi dad, right? Mm-hmm. Which so like sovereignty and power, autonomy, these are like values that I think you and I share. And I think that as a both as a, a public school teacher as well as a yoga teacher, I want to I want to be I want to use my tools and skills to put people in positions so that they can realize their power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very accessible in a yoga class where it's just like you're holding tulan and dot like any of these asanas that you're holding or breathing or um, any sort of physical challenge, it's very straightforward to say in this position, we're here to see how we show up when it gets challenging. And so when you think about sovereignty and power, like you were talking about, like, I'm not giving the power to my teacher, my teacher is helping me. Like it's, it's two powerful entities kind of collaborating on a project. So like, what are your thoughts with this? Cause you had said you had some thoughts with power. Oh, for sure. So this comes and and I'll give credit where credit is due. I have a teacher named Kevin Walton. Uh, He has source radiance on Instagram and he is a, he's a light being and he's part of the light being collectives. He's, he's an incredible human being. The conscious creatorhood program Mm -hmm. is what he leads. And in his conscious creatorhood program is where I've where I remember the words to use of everything I know. And that's something was big is like, yes, he is my teacher, but he's here just to remind me of how powerful I am and that I already know everything. And he's just helping me to remember and to access the words. When I first met Kevin, uh, he spoke about this, this concept of power. And he had all the words for everything that I knew and wanted to share and explain to people, but didn't have the, didn't remember the words yet. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, gain, I'm regaining these words and remembering how to use them. And one of the things is this concept that um, you and I can agree on this as yogis, and most people do. We are energetic beings, right? So we're vibration. You can even do it on a scientific level. We are vibration. Electrons, neutrons, atoms vibrating. And atoms are constantly going on and off, right? They're vibrating constantly. So if we can agree on that, we can agree that even this couch I'm sitting on is a material object that has a vibration. Everything has vibration. Vibration is what we call energy. And in yogis, we call it prana. The Chinese medicine call it chi. Mm-hmm. The ancient Egyptians called it ka, the ka. And what we're tapping into is the energy that we are, not that we have. And that was big. Oh, I am the power, mm-hmm. not I have power. Because if I think I possess the power, that also makes me think that I can take someone else's or someone can take mine. And the way I explain it best as I've learned it is that if my, I like to go be in the solar plexus here, right? If that's where my power source is located and us yogis go with that, with um, our chakras, right? The third chakra, solar plexus, that's where our power is. I have a dial there and I'm either choosing to turn that dial up and access all the power that I am, or I'm turning it down. Now in any given situation, if I'm turning the power down, and someone is turning the power up, what it appears or I could perceive is that someone is manipulating the situation or controlling the situation, which really they're simply saying, I'm going to turn my dial up and I can look at them and be like, oh, wow, I'm not as good as them. I'm not as smart as them or they're bossy or they're loud. And that means I'm just dialing my power down. So it's the reminder that at any time you can turn that power up. There's a term for it that I love called orenda. I believe it's a Native American term, orenda. And it's the person who is in command of their energy and their power and their presence the most will basically guide the energy of the situation or the room. And I look at it like this uh, on a grand scale. So you go back to the time of Nazis and Hitler. 
Hitler was an incredibly powerful man, just like you and me, but he was accessing it. And at that time, no one came to meet him where he was at saying, you know what, I'm powerful. Like, let's use an example, like Martin Luther King, somebody who accessed their power equally. If someone like him would have stepped in, the cool thing is they're both in their highest power level, right? They're both accessing all their power. The person who is most aligned with source, the divine all, whatever you'd like to call it, basically, quote unquote, wins or will control it. No one at that time when Hitler was doing his thing decided to rise and step up into their power. Therefore, everything he dictated how it all went for so long until finally, you know, it, it changed. You know, and that's the beauty is when, when uh, someone like Gandhi, who uses nonviolence, a very uh, passive approach, right? He stepped in, but his power, he was in command of his power and it didn't have to be forceful or aggressive. And not that aggressive is necessarily a bad thing, but he was able to be in such command that no one else could decided to meet him with greater power. And even if they did, he was aligned with source because his mm -hmm. was based on peace and the right, right intention. So that's kind of how I explain it and how I see it everywhere I go. And in a yoga class, what people are doing is they are choosing to hit the pause button on their power source to allow the teacher to guide the room. From there, the goal then is to remember that at any time, even now I'll play the student role, I'm in your class, I choose to, you say child's pose, and what do I do? I follow your suit because I mm -hmm. trust your intention, I go to child's pose. But the, the problem is people don't stop to realize and go, at any given moment, I can choose to not follow if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I can choose to access all the power that I want to be. So instead of child's pose, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to go to recline hero. And that's just me saying, I'm going to do what's right for me. There's my sovereignty, the autonomy choice. And I love that idea, man. I love that. That's uh, yeah. You really like nailed that, put all those pieces together. Um, dude, I remember early days of teaching yoga, like early days, like first like year or so when people would do something that I didn't cue, mm -hmm. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like I'm telling you, you know what I mean? And so that took an evolution for me to like sort of adapt to what you're saying, which is like the power is actually just like, this is you, you doing however you approach what you're up to, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that. Sure. And, and in that too, that's funny. I of course went through that same process too. And it was like, okay, I need to check in. Is this my ego? They're mm -hmm. not following what I said. Mm -hmm. Or there's another aspect of that too. My classes are so intentional in the way I sequence that I'm like, listen, you're, what you're doing right now is going to prevent you from getting to the pose that I'm actually trying to get you because right. I'm thinking about it from an anatomical perspective. Mm -hmm. So that I don't, you know, I don't get mad at them. I'm just like, just know the reason I'm having you do this mm -hmm. is because we're going somewhere yeah. and I don't get offended by it. I don't take it personal, uh, but it is checking me like, is it my ego that's upset? Oh, mm -hmm. no, no, no. I just want them to get there safely. And this is a safe route to take. Uh, but everyone has choice. And this is like the one word that I think I, if I, if I say one more word other than babe, or I love you, cause I call my kids, babe, 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 my wife, babe. Um, and I say, I love you all the time to them. The other word that I say the most is choice, right? Because that's what freedom is. And this is what I'm like. Every one of my yoga classes talks about, we have choice, we have freedom. And I'm very clear to be like, you know, choice means that nothing in yoga is mandatory. And then I throw in my personal perspective on this, that nothing in life should be mandatory. Mm -hmm. And the moment we start thinking that everything's mandatory and I have to follow some rule that maybe is not aligned with who I am, mm -hmm. I'm forgetting that there is another choice. And then I'm choosing to not access the power I am to make that other choice. Mm -hmm. Now, how do I know what choices I have? Awareness. So awareness I guess is the key. The greater awareness we have, the more choices there are. If I look at the computer screen, this is all I see. I don't have a whole lot of choice to take my eyes anywhere. But the moment I look, I let my awareness go beyond, I'm like, oh, I could choose to focus on the painting of the lion, or I can choose to focus on Kali over here, or whatever it is. But it's only because my awareness expanded, which is a willingness and choice to allow myself to see beyond what I thought was possible because that's all awareness is, right? Mm -hmm. Is awareness is all the information within us and around us that we are willing to accept as possible. It's and also a deliberate 
practice, like not to step on what you're saying, it's it's deliberate practice of um, we've, because we live in a culture that's so myopic and really dials us into like a straw view of what is on offer when it comes to experience and choice. Uh And so it's a very deliberate practice of broadening that aperture so that we can see that Uh there are, there is a larger suite of choices to choose from. Yeah. And it's like, how can I think beyond what I think is possible? Because mm-hmm. there are greater possibilities. There's greater potential. I just have to be willing and wanting to see beyond what is in front of me. Mm-hmm. And so many people just, I don't think they get comfortable and they don't want to see that there's other choices. And um, I heard something really cool. And I can't remember where it came from, that when someone was, is given more choice, it's almost more stressful. Mm-hmm. Too many choices isn't good. And people just want to be like A or B. Like, don't give me C, D, E, F, G, but I want, I want the spectrum of choices so that I can make the most uh, logical, rational and uh, intentional choice that I can, you know, there's some re- Yeah. So I think what you might be referencing is something that came out a few years ago is uh, some research. I think it was Stanford and they um, presented people with a suite of choices and um, the more choices that they gave them. Interesting finding from that was that two interesting findings. One is oftentimes if you give people more choices, it takes them longer to decide, which is logical, right? Because you weigh your choices. The unexpected finding from that research is that if you give people more choices, like you give them 10 toothpaste instead of three, um, they tend to be dissatisfied, even if they end up Mm. choosing on average the same thing they would have had they had two or three choices. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, it's so, like the ice cream, ice cream store, right? When it was just chocolate and vanilla, mm-hmm. easy peasy. But now mm-hmm. you added the other thirty-one flavors, and now yeah, what? yeah. And so, and so, people have a tendency to be dissatisfied when there are more choices, which is a sort of paradox that we sort of have to overcome. Because I think, oftentimes, speaking of power, I think about um, like systems and structures, and like we're talking about personal power and sovereignty and autonomy. Mm-hmm. But as an individual and noticing and working with communities and working with groups, I've noticed, especially young people and yogis, frankly, I've noticed that there's so much work that goes into um, either eliminating choices in life um, from like a systemic approach, right? Like social media, government, corporations, like I, I see so much of that happening, either a truncating of our choices to just a handful of things or um, intentional guiding towards specific choices. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts on like, as a person who has a very clear philosophy on power, right? I love that your philosophy on power and how ultimately if we get at loggerheads between two powerful individuals, it's whomever's aligned with source or like true nature, um, that is the victor. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts on someone who has a very clear philosophy on power, what it means to live in, uh, in a world where there is so much intentional guiding us towards specific choices, specifically with like social media. So like to, to like narrow my, my focus here, social media, I see as a very useful tool for capturing the the most finite resource that you and I have, Anton, is our time. And social media is highly effective at taking as much of it as possible. And that's something that's just like, keeps like, like a tin can rattling in my head. And I'm still trying to figure out because right now we're on a podcast. This is a form of social media. We're attempting to capture attention and time. Um, Hopefully you and I are doing something that's of value, Mm. but I find that so much of that system takes away people's realization of their power and sovereignty. And so I, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are in that space as someone who works in that space, right? Where you and I are both public facing individuals with public media accounts, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with the, the ones who are trying to, we'll just say the word manipulate. Um, they're doing it out of a, out of a misalignment thinking one, uh, a distortion of what power is. Power is money, power is fame, power is popularity, all these things. So it's coming from a a distortion to begin with, um, which then it it distorts itself as it it plays out. So then who these people are trying to quote unquote manipulate or 
play the game with are other people who are in this same narrative that this is what power is. And then all of a sudden, when someone steps back and is like, wait, no, then they, they don't have that person anymore. And it's all based on right money. Let's be honest. Everything goes back to the money, goes yeah. back to money. Um, and if you look at it, like they're, they're trying to catch your, and it's funny, you're saying uh, social media tries to hold our attention yet. It's only for three to five seconds, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? And yeah. then move on, but yeah. stay on, move on, but stay on, but only for three to five seconds. Like th the fact that podcasts are still popular today, are, are, it's very exciting to me because they're long. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, yeah, yeah. takes a little bit more time and your attention to really get into something. That means you're making it a greater commitment. I think that people who listen to podcasts, tend to be people who are, um, hmm, gotta be careful with how I'm going to say this. <laughs> I think those people are more willing to be patient and present and are on the search to expand into the more and not everyone is there. I think other people would rather just scroll that three to five seconds, which don't get, don't get me wrong. I get caught in the scroll too, but, right. um, to, to make the commitment, you're dedicate, you're making a dedication. And for those of us who, like you said, you're very aware of time. And for me, my time is my money. My mm -hmm. time is even more important than that. It's my kids, my dogs, and my wife. There's nothing more important than that, right? And so when I'm like choosing to listen to a podcast, I am thinking so intently about what information I'm going to bring in. Am I ready to hold that space for it? Uh, am I willing to commit and dedicate my time? A lot of people use the word sacrifice, which is something I'd love to go into as well. It's a dedication and it's a devotion to something that will help me expand and grow. And that's how I make all my decisions right now. Will this help me expand and grow or will this help someone else expand and grow? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, let's not waste our time with a, a, going out to a restaurant and having dinner together to have small talk. You're not growing. I'm not growing. Wasting my time. I could be home with my kids eating a really healthy meal rather than the crap that's served out in, in society. So um, it's about dedication and devotion. The people who are willing to listen to a podcast, they are dedicated and devoted and are very intentional with how they're spending their time. And I think that kind of what's, that's what separates a little bit. But it is. It's all about how do you consume someone's time so then you can consume their money. And I'm guilty. See this new watch right here? Oh. That's an Instagram buy. Oh, yeah. Was it really? <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. Like I'm scrolling. And I'm, I'm, I'm like pausing on one thing for two seconds. So then Instagram is like, oh, he wants a watch. We're going to send him every watch ad there send possibly watch, is. Right? Right. Have you seen that uh, documentary, um, Social Dilemma? I have not. I know. I know a little bit about it, but yeah. So I'm if to those to the listeners that have seen that, I'm picturing that scene. Wait, when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about because it's very like they anthropomorphize the algorithms in a way that is like send Anton watches. He do most my watch right now. Yeah, yeah. I it's agree, just echo man. chambers, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I even think my whole Instagram at this point is an entire echo chamber. I think I've cut the fat enough to where the people who don't agree with me, who can't hold space for disagreeing, have mm -hmm. just bailed on me. And at this point, like I'm like, sometimes I question, why am I even sharing this information? Mm -hmm. The people who follow me at this point are mm -hmm. just the people who are similar thinking. Now I'm hoping there's some people who are maybe thinking a little bit different or practice a little differently and are willing to see some more information. But you know, for the most part, people were just, just hanging out with our, with our fans all the time. And that doesn't do a whole lot for growth and expansion. So I'm really starting to question how much longer the Instagram or the social media is going to be there for me. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. man. I, I think about sometimes when I post things on my social specifically like Instagram, I'm almost wanting people to push back against what I'm saying, because I, I, I also feel what you say, which is if people are tuned in, they're tuned in. And if they're tuned in, they're there for a reason. And so it's like, who am I actually talking to? Like, yeah. um, who, who, who am I? two things I, he I hear in uh, suggested from what you're saying. One is which like, why am I saying things to people who agree with me? Like they already know what I think and they think similar things. And then two, I think in order for us to strengthen our views of like getting out of the sort of like um, es esoteric, like beautiful, expansive power space of like what the practice is, but into like very tactical policy based, like, uh, like corporate bait, like all of these like institutions, like 
I want people to push back against what I'm saying because I, I, I want to understand it more clearly as well, you know? Yeah, I literally just made a post on Instagram, of course, and I was just very, I don't know, just feeling it. I was like, I just, I know what it was. I saw someone outside walking in a really fairly decent Arizona weather alone with no one within, you know, a hundred yards of them and only cars wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's very clear that I'm not a, a supporter of the mask mandates or anything of that nature. But it's not that when I see that person, I sincerely want to know what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. I truly do because clearly I don't, I don't see the same way they do. And I was like, Oh, I just, I truly do just want to understand. I'm seeking to understand because clearly I'm not seeing something. And it was funny when I had that realization, I'm wearing glasses. This is brand new for me. I had, like I'd gotten a, some kind of contusion on my cornea. I think it was from jujitsu, but I really think it's the universe helping me out with something. And I was, I couldn't really see clearly out of this left eye. And for me, it's like, okay, if I have an injury, what's it telling me? What's it really telling me? And I was like, okay, what am I not seeing clearly? Oh, what side am I not? I'm not seeing the other side. Of course I'm not seeing the other side because I only see this side of things. All right, time to start. And I honored like the fact that this eye wasn't working well for the longest time. I was like, you know, I'm going to, instead of like, oh, I got to get it fixed right away. I'm just gonna, like, I'm going to be in it to see, to see, ironically, um, to understand where I'm not seeing someone else's perspective clearly enough. Cause I truly do. Like I'm very clear on what I believe and my opinions on things very clear, but I'm also very open to hearing like why someone believes completely opposite, you know, and it usually just strengthens my own opinion. Yeah. <laughs> okay. ide ideally it would. Right. Because that's yeah. like, we're receptive, like, hopefully we're working to be receptive. Yeah. When I, when I, when I hear you tell that story about that person walking solo, um, like outside with the mask, the first thing I thought of when you were saying that story is like, I hope they're okay. Like, I hope that this person, mm -hmm. because there, I think that there's so much, um, I think that there's so much, not trauma is kind of a hard word, but like there's so many negative emotions that are created by um, this machine of sharing information. And, you know, I think that a lot of people are extreme. They're either, so I see two things, two things with that person. My assumptions are either they're very worried that it's in scary. Arizona scary. where it's hot, right? You know, it's, it's really hot. They're in the sun. There's no one near them. They're still afraid. Um, and all of the science points otherwise, right? In that specific situation. And then two, the other option is that they, another option that I see rather is that they're in, in some way attempting to signal that this is a choice that they've made um, to align themselves with like being very conscious of others and that they're not demonstrating that with their actions, that they're actually being conscious of others. They're demonstrating that they are attempting to get the recognition for having been helpful to others. Oh, I'm so excited this came to this Which way. is indicative of a lack. It's indicative of a lack in self, right? It's not, oh it's, God, it's not, it's not indicative of like actual true compassion. It's like, will you please notify all the people that you know that I am compassionate? I'm right? good. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I'm so glad that we're going to, this will be some of the last information we talk about. Cause I think it's so important. Cool. Virtue, virtue signaling right mm -hmm. now is whew, man, mm -hmm. I hear that. And I get so worked up because like to let everyone know how good you are. Let me, let me tell you something inside of you doesn't think you're good. If you have to tell everyone how good you are. Right. And this, and especially within the yoga community, we have a lot of people stepping on their moral high ground. I'm doing it for everyone else. If you were, you would shut up and do it for everyone else. You yeah. wouldn't have to tell me that you were doing it for everyone else and show that you're doing it for everyone else. You would just do it. Mm -hmm. And I think this right now is, is what a huge problem is, right? I want to look like I'm good. And it goes, all goes back. And this is a teaching from, from my, my teacher, Kevin in source radiance and conscious creatorhood. In life, we only need two things. Now you have to assume that, of course, you need air to survive because you don't have air. You, don't, you need water, you need food, you need shelter. But beyond that, the only two things that we need. And when I heard this, I was like, oh yeah. And this is why anytime I've had any issue with myself or my shadow or anything or problems or ego, it's because one of these two things, I didn't feel one of these two things, safety and significance. Significance, when we are not feeling safe, we search for comfort when we're not uh, feeling significant, like we actually fucking matter because we do every single one of us, we look for validation. 
And all I'm seeing, and everyone tells me when the picture is like, look, I got my shot, or look, I'm wearing my mask, or I'm doing the good thing, or I'm just doing it to help others, or I'm doing it for whoever, whatever. All I see is, oh, you don't feel significant, right? Okay. How can we make you feel more significant without having to hold a flag? I am significant. I'm worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You don't have to tell people. Just do good, be good, but also be informed. And, you know, it's so funny that podcast you're talking about, like, I'm so uninformed. And, <laughs> and by knowing that you're uninformed just simply means that we are looking to become more informed. Yeah. The, uh, the, um, the signaling, it just is, it's, it's so indicative of, and, and like broadening it out past like the conversation we've been having about the individual with the mask, but in so many different spaces, there's people that want that they want safety of the group it's like hey i'm going to signify you that yeah. i belong I'm, I'm with you guys um and then the significance of like how am i contributing to said group um and so like it's lonely to step out you know i mean i've stepped out in different spaces i find myself in in my interpersonal relationships like in myriad of topics it's like no i don't think this and that automatically puts us in positions and like the things that you, you, you talk about, like what we're saying is it's sometimes lonely for people to sort of step out of the group. And if that, but if these things resonate with how you see, like your understanding of the world, it's like, it's, it's challenging, man. And it's, I understand why people want to feel like they're in a group. You know, yeah, totally. I definitely, I, I have that desire as well. And I think that what we're seeing now back to your conversation, the comments you made on podcasts, which is, you know, a podcast allows a person to be nuanced and subtle and to really be exposed in a way that like, you can very clearly see if someone's full of shit. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And it's, it's actual articulated thinking. It's, it's, it's outside, like thinking out loud outside your head that allows people to understand whether you're malevolent or benevolent. Right. And you don't get that with Instagram, you know, you don't get it with TikTok. It's, it's, but that's where most of this signaling is taking place. The signaling doesn't necessarily take place in long form conversation because a lot of this stuff falls apart when you yeah. really dive in. Um, so I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on, on this? Rant? I think it's about, <laughs> just like, yeah, I've been rambling yeah, all day today. <laughs> it's all about connection, right? Mm. If you have significant connection with people, then you don't have to, like you don't have to be showing how amazing you are on Instagram. Although we do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then I think I just had this idea of like, oh shoot, we better, we better summarize something that I think you and I pro probably both agree with. Everything we're seeing is simply just a reflection, right? It's just showing us back. When I see that person on the street who's wearing a mask and let's make the assumption that they're scared. It's a wonderful opportunity to be like, what am I still scared? Mm -hmm. How am I living in fear still? Cause I am, mm -hmm. I am right. And it, it just, as long as we can all just take that time to be like, how is this a reflection for me? However, people are receiving what we're speaking about right now will cause possible triggers, right? I love that word trigger. All that means is it's going to expose and illuminate an aspect about myself that I am one, not comfortable with, or two, willing and ready to change, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or I like to look at it as, oh, that triggers me. That simply means what I see is a version of myself that I haven't been addressing. And I haven't bring, brought into the light. That's what the shadow is, right? The shadow is simply an aspect of self that I haven't yet fully integrated into, into the light. Mm -hmm. and, and just remembering that, that like, okay, a trigger is not them, it's me. Yeah. And where are they showing, where is that showing me where I'm ready to integrate or to be more accepting? And, and in, our, in our creatorhood program, love is the acceptance of all things. And I think about that, I'm like, oh man, I may say I love a lot, but whew there's a lot of things that I'm lacking acceptance for. Yeah. So part of my, my mantra that I say on the daily, my sovereign mantra is uh, I witness with full acceptance. That's one of the lines is that I witness with full acceptance and whether I do or not, I'm, I'm, it's my practice is to simply just sit back, witness the person with the mask and accept where they're at. And then again, use it as a reflection be like, okay, cool. Fear. I still have fear. What are, what are my fears? All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. I, I definitely agree with the, the, to what I hear you saying is 
the things that we notice in others are things that are already resonant in us, whether we choose to uh, acknowledge them or not. I, I would expand that to even the positives, right? I think oh, one of the sure. reasons that I wanted to connect with you is because I see kindred <laughs> attributes to who I like started to notice you were in these festivals that we attended together. So I was like, there's something here that's in me that's in him. And I'd like mm -hmm. to connect in that way. Yeah. So, and sometimes like you express it a little bit more than I've yet to express it mm -hmm. or I'm doing the same thing for you. Yeah. I mean, it's always basically just showing me either like who I was, mm -hmm. who I am or who I want to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and like, that's, that's great. It's like who I am, who I was, or who I want to be. You're just yeah. showing me all those. And sometimes the, who I was is kind of an ugly dude and yeah. who I am Same. <laughs> could use some improvement and who I want to be, man, that's going to be a dope dude. I can't wait yeah. to interview him next year. You know? Yeah, dude. Wouldn't it be great if we all got it all together and I'm, I'm working on it. Right. Yeah. No. Cause I want to keep reincarnating with my kids a couple more times. Oh, that'd be cool. I don't yeah. have kids yet. So that would probably yeah. be cool. I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on, so like, as we start to bring it, uh, try to land this ship a little bit, mm -hmm. ye, the, the, the big thing that really drew my attention to uh, you and the, your practice of teaching was the primal stuff, like mm -hmm. moving the primal movements. Like that was, um, as someone who'd been practicing yoga and teaching yoga for years, by the time I saw you uh, do that, I was like, oh, this is fresh. This is something new. This is resonant with my body. And like, down to the DNA level of like epigenetically carried through the, the lineage. Right. And I, I thought yeah. that was beautiful. And then tying that into, I noticed you were doing a lot of cold plunge when we were at mm -hmm. yoga jam. And, um, so the thing I, I was just kind of teeing you up to talk about was <coughs> oh, little puppy. I got my dogs in the other room. <laughs> no, I have, a, I have a chihuahua and he is like chihuahua. Oh, is he a Chihuahua too? Oh, two, what's up, y'all? Yeah. So they they definitely like to let you know when oh, yeah, anything bro. is going on. <laughs> well, yeah. It's the it's the animal in them, man. So that was back to the primal. point I was making. It's primal. It's like that's in them. Like my Chihuahua is very different than my collie, right? Oh, and so yeah. as we sort of like land this ship, I'm just curious, like where where does that come from for you? Is that like where does the concept of like cold plunge? like heat, like you do sauna work, you do cold work, you do breath work, you do the primal stuff. So like, was there a language that was taught to you with the body or were you finding these in the body and trying to build the lexicon of the primal stuff afterwards? No, the primal came first part, partly because of drum and yasa, you know, Brad, mm -hmm. I got teamed up with him randomly and I had a little bit of understanding about booty yoga, B-U-T-I, booty yoga and what they did, how they added this dance and this primal and this very Shiva Shakti. Well, it all comes back to the masculine and the feminine. Mm -hmm. So prior to meeting my wife, I was in this constant dilemma of what does it mean to be a man? How am I a man? How am I not a man? What is masculinity? What is feminine? And then finally meeting my partner, Amy, and my wife, really getting to explore what that is and understand that more clearly. And my teaching, I just felt like there was something missing, like there's something more to be added. And that's when the primal, the release, the shake, the very get into your body, because I have that. I've always been connected to my feminine. Um, but how could you do it? in also a very masculine way and create this mm -hmm. beautiful balance between the two. Um, and then recognizing that I, I was searching to get uncomfortable because most of my life has been pretty easy and a lot of comfort. And I watched my, my poor mother who's been in a lot of discomfort pretty much all of her life, whether it was migraine headaches or arthritis or different issues. And my father who did anything he possibly could to avoid discomfort. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like what I'm recognizing now. So that, that idea of discomfort was either my mom was always in it or my dad was always avoiding it. I was like, okay, I want to, I want to explore this and the challenge of something. Um, so then the cold was that for me. And it's a way for me to like get uncomfortable, wrestle with the thoughts, use it, to apply it to my other ever pra everyday practice. Um, but it's all about discomfort. So that would, I, I would say, and I love to make other people uncomfortable because that's where the breakthrough happens, right? And I know when you shake and you got your body moving and you're, the fat on your body is moving or you're dancing in a way, people feel uncomfortable. And that's helping them break through some kind of limiting belief or inhibition they've been holding onto or insecurity. And that's my goal is to like take people beyond their edge, find out where that edge is. Let's go beyond it because we all can and we're all capable of it. And yeah, that's, that's why I do it. That's why I love it. Yeah, man. You got me fired up. I'm fitting to go make an ice bath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What you yeah. should do is you should do the primal flow training and teach it. 
Oh, right on. Cool. 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 So do you, do. So, so you run, uh, TTs. Yeah, I do. Yeah. The primal flow is, um, for anyone who's 200 hours certified or booty yoga certified and teach booty yoga. And it's currently, we do online trainings. It's a 12 hour one day online training, or we have our, we're coming back to live trainings now. We have one in Scottsdale in December, I think December 4th and 5th. Um, we'll be doing a live training and that's two days, um, of getting people certified. And we have close to 200 certified primal flow trainers across, I think seven different countries now. Um, oh. yeah. And I, I just, I want more men doing it. And it's crazy yeah. to see how it's resonating with men so much these days. Yeah. I felt that yeah. one in, in the practice and, um, uh, and I, I, th as you were speaking, I was saying there's something, there's something uniquely powerful about a man showing the balance of masculine and feminine. I think that mm -hmm. especially, I mean, as you and I both know, and, and many of the yogis, if there are, you know, if you practice yoga and you're listening, like yoga initially started like predominantly as a male uh, oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. was, it was young boys and like learning how to do the practice thereafter, but then coming to the West, it's become uh, a female dominated endeavor. And I think that as, um, you know, there's not many spaces where like, this is the conversation where we like, but we need more men in this space so that For we sure. can show the balance of masculine and femininity within an individual, because, you know, we both have beards and like muscles and movement and all this stuff. And like overtly like might portray in these masculine traits, but the balance of that feminine is, is crucial. And I think it's immensely powerful coming from a man. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's also, you know, for the longest time, I was like, we need to make men connected to their feminine. But if you look right now, men need to connect to their masculine. Yeah, I agree. So much yeah. of is what's happening is we're being demasculinized as mm -hmm. men. And that cannot happen. The mm -hmm. world needs the balance, the polarity, the beautiful balance. And we all are, you know, if we get down to it, we're not talking gender here. We're talking about energy, masculine, mm -hmm. feminine, sun, moon, mm -hmm. and, you know, the yoga, the yoga of all practices teach it, but so many ancient practices talk about it as well and that's that's really what it is but it's also being like hey when is the right time to step into my masculine when can i step into my feminine and i want to give you a big thank you for saying that i have a beard yeah <laughs> it's <is> pretty pathetic <laughs> excuse for a beard <laughs> i've never been able to actually grow a full beard in my life i'm gonna be 43 in january and i still can't even grow a full full beard but maybe on camera it looks like it's almost stay on camera yeah while. get the uh <laughs> yeah, stay on camera for a while get the guy fox thing going you could play that the guy yeah. fox you know what i mean like the, oh yeah just this joint. Oh, for yeah. sure man talk about v for vendetta everyone who's listening if you have not seen that movie now is the time mm -hmm. watch v for vendetta get a clear picture of what's really going on they've been telling us about it for a long time and read fahrenheit 451 yeah some classics man well as we wrap brother uh first of all i'm super grateful that we landed this and uh we put it together and uh i'm honored to have you with me and like kind of actually having a chance to rap like we were just kind of mm -hmm. dancing and like doing yoga together at the festival yeah. so like this was totally worth time um so what you know anything you want to add like i'll link everything up that you know, we have, but what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, no, if you're interested in the Primal Flow, we got those certifications. It's through my website. Um, I'm also uh, leading empowerment mentorship. So when people who are looking to step in, like, what does it mean to like step into my power? I don't even know where to start. Um, that's a lot of the work I'm doing right now and helping people navigate where their limitations are so we can go beyond that. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. My wife, shout out to her. She's got a women's retreat happening in outside of Tucson in Arizona in November. So for the, any of the ladies listening, you want to connect with some amazing magical women, they're doing that. Um, and if you just sign up for my, my newsletter and at my website, you can get more information, but thank yeah. you. Thank you for having me, man. It's an honor. Uh, I love listening to your voice. You got such a great voice. And it's, I, I'm always like a little bit jealous. I wish yeah. I could have that, that co-host vo voice. It's the microphone, man. Every now and again, I'll just like get into the mic. Yeah, yeah totally. It's like, it's like it's, 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 it just sounds, it makes my, it makes me sound better than I am, but That's I appreciate cool. the kind words, brother. But yeah, man, right, man. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much. Be well. Yeah, man. All right.